Louise Winters of Lewis. Hello. Hello, you, in fact. Uh, hello, you, Neil Hopkins, now of Bristol. Hey. We yeah. love being of Bristol. It's a good I'm, place to be off. I'm so glad you're happy there. I just, I miss you. Oh, thank you. Must sort out a plan to come and visit. I know. Well, there, there might be one coming up in, in the near future, so we shall keep keep that plan alive and afloat, as they say. It's all good. Anyway, this is our first episode of 2023, and it is episode 23. Yes. Listeners, Neil literally just pointed that out to me when we had our kind of pre-show check-in, and I'm like, oh, that's exciting. Couldn't have lined that up if I'd wanted to. It's not like we planned it two years ago when we first started this unfurling experiment into whatever on earth is going on at the time. I certainly didn't. In fact, yes, it's no, hang on, it's even more than that. It's the <gasps> 23rd of January. It's the 23rd episode and it's 2023. Hang on a minute. It's even better than we thought. Steady on. And we started recording. In fact, it gets better because we started recording at 1823. No! Oh, my God. I, the I, not. I think we need to buy some kind of lottery ticket. Yeah, there's, there's something there. Oh, right. oh to be 23 oh. again. Oh, yes. I was also starting to think about. Imagine that. Imagine if we were also 23 and on the 23rd episode in 2023, recording 1823. That would be next level, wouldn't it? There would be like stuff would be happening in the universe. Let's be honest. <laughs> Pulsars. There's a part, honestly. Not too much. Oh, I, I don't know. But anyway, it, it seems like it, it seems like yet a moment since we spoke just before Christmas. So how, how was your festivities? How was your January? How is how is Louis Winters of Lewis? Well, good question. I'm feeling pretty good at the moment. Last week was quite heavy for various reasons. Um, all sorts of things. Some good. Some. Or some that I enjoyed, some that I didn't enjoy so much. Um, but, but okay. Um, I don't generally, as a rule, I don't like January very much. I try not to get too stuck in there. Oh, January's, you know, is a difficult time of year because, I, you know, I, I do think there's a certain amount of creating my own reality there. Um, so, I, yeah, I kind of I find elements of January difficult. However, we've had beautiful, crisp, incredibly cold, frosty days here. Um, I don't know, I'm guessing you'll have had similar in, in Bristol because it seems to have been countrywide and it's been just stunning and the birds yes. in the garden have been going nuts. We've had loads of red wings in the garden which are kind of, they look like thrushes but they've got a very, they've got a white eyebrow stripe and they've got red under the wings which you see they're kind of okay. dashing out trying to do all sorts of acrobatics to get ivy berries off the ivy that kind of goes, that's kind of going mad kind of beyond the boundary of our garden because um, just scrub and they're brilliant to watch and and they're just they're very distinctive with this that you'd think the red bit under the wings would be the thing that would draw your eye it's the eyebrow it's the eyebrow stripe they kind of got these it, that's the thing that you notice from a distance so been loving watching the birds i've kind of got this image now of penfold from danger mouse but in bird form <laughs> yeah do you know i might not be so far off they don't they i mean they don't wear a suit but but yeah, yeah could be. <laughs> not often. They fly around naked for hussies. Oh no, it's terrifying. Um, <laughs> yeah, red wings. And I've got my sister into bird watching as well. She now sends me an update every few days on the birds that she's seen on her walk up in Crewe. So I don't see her very often. Um, but she tells me about the birds that she's seen, and and send, you know we kind of send each other terrible photographs of. I know you can't see what it is, but it is actually an X. This is the nature of our conversations. Yeah. 
the truth and the bird is out there. <laughs> oh, what you mean, X Files? Have you got have X Birds? X Files. Oh, that's a blast from the past. I know we we we're currently binging our way through, so I think we're I can't even say what season we're on, but we're a fair a fair chunk of the way through. It, what, it is quite good fun to see where we are in the plot line at the moment. Things are happening. Things yeah, are. so we've we're just actually we're just the other side of the film. Ah, okay. so we're the season off with the season after the film. Um so yes, yeah, so there's all of all of that going on. Actually I did I thought of you today because we went out for a quick stroll and um was it on the stroll or was it on the drive one of the two? Giant great hawky thing, technical Ooh. ornithological term, obviously, being chased Ooh. by a magpie. Um Ooh. I know, but it was like huge. We get a lot of birds of prey around here and they tend to sit on the lampposts and what we think they're up to is they're sitting on the lampposts by the ring road, waiting for the small creatures to get squashed and then just come down and eat them. That sounds Lazy. like the kind of thing, yeah. Lazy. Kites do, they prefer, they're scavengers, whereas buzzards are hunters. So red oh. kites don't so often, they tend not to kill their prey. They tend to look for something either that's been flattened by a car or has been left by another animal. Whereas buzzards will actually swoop and, you know, they'll kind of spot swoop and grab. Swoop and, and uh, yeah, and finish it off. Oh, fair enough. May actually could be there could be kites because years ago we went to the Hay Festival, the, the literary festival, mm. and um, we sort of had some had some time in between literaryness stuff, and the Oxfam bookshop had run out of books, so we uh, <laughs> <laughs> almost um, just bought them all. That's what had happened, sh- isn't it, Neil? Sh- <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we, we so we took we took a day off. We took a day off. I went up the went up the mountains, and there was this group of American tourists. We were quite happily just sitting there on the side of a mountain, literally on the side of a mountain, read, reading some books and, and chilling in the sunshine. And this group of American tourists wandered past, and this guy start almost started crying. I mean, he wasn't on the level of the Double Rainbow Man on on YouTube, uh, if you've ever seen that. But we were looking around, like, and there was this there was this I'll just say there was this bird. We looked at him and it's a bird. It's got big. <laughs> Claws and... Yeah. Yes, and it was in the sky. Um, and it was this red kite, and apparently they'd never like seen them before, and kind of oh, it's interesting. Oh, wow. And they'd been recently reintroduced to quite a few areas around here. Um, so yeah, so it was probably the first time people had seen them in the wild. And it was yeah, just the same. So yeah, we I, I thought of you because it's like oh, Louise will know what that is. And then I was wondering, or we were wondering, kind of down around a little bit more. And there was this bird making the most almighty ruckus. And I was like, Louise will know what <laughs> Louise will know what that is. <laughs> I didn't um, record it to send to you though. Maybe I should have done. I can I can have a guess. I can have a guess at most things. But yeah, red kites are big, big buggers. Um and they the other distinctive thing, so when they're in flight, the thing that you can use to distinguish a red kite is the tail is kind of like a big triangular wedge. They often have it fanned because that's that helps them to hover. And but it's also it's got a notch in it, so it's kind of like a wedge that almost has a V cut out of the bottom. So if you kind of see some, uh-huh. if the tail looks kind of like that, yeah, probably a red kite. It may, may well have been. Oh, how exciting. I've, mm. I've learned something. Mm. Who said podcasts are just for fun? It's entertainment value. <laughs> so um, how are you generally? Are you well? Yes, I'm, well. I'm all right. I'm all right. Got some kind of chiropractic stuff going on, which is all very good probably putting my chiropractor's future children if he's if he's that way inclined to, to enter through college but at the moment but um otherwise good yeah just kind of hit the hit the new year and it's quite dark it's been very dark up here but recently yeah. suddenly it's been like oh it's five o'clock it's light it's basically the summer it's fabulous. Oh, oh, isn't, 
I don't know if you, I get really excited about when I start to notice the days lengthening. And, and actually, as I get older, I'm far more... I'm far more aware of it and I kind of I, I look out for it a lot I didn't didn't used to pay so much attention when I was in my 20s but as I've kind of gone through my 30s I'm like oh no no this is really important and I celebrate it it's like oh this is exciting exactly and we've been sending some talk to mother half about it and we've kind of really noticed we've really noticed the dark and it's been constant it's been constantly <laughs> raining over here to about like a week ago and it sort of stopped mm. and it's now just cold but yeah it's just that light is starting to come and the, the problem for me then is it makes me want to do stuff obviously last time we were talking talking about like as the nights close in we just want to kind of chill and not do a lot and hibernate for a bit and i'm like january's like right do stuff 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 oh, things so yes yeah, so it's, it's yeah. been in the garden i've planted cyclamen i've bought cyclamen i've planted Ooh, cyclamen in the cyclamen. garden it's, they're lovely i've been researching what plants grow under trees it's amazing my search my google doesn't know what to do with me anymore um it's serving me kitchen <laughs> stuff it's like, serving me garden stuff. you've changed <laughs> i don't recognize <laughs> you anymore <laughs> oh, I, I bought some bluebells today I like some bluebell bobs well, we'll have those we like those lovely. so yeah so that's it's good actually and yeah work, work has been busy it's going to just hit that had that kind of Christmas lull, post Christmas lull, and suddenly everyone comes back and it's like, right, we all want our projects now. We're like, okay, fine. But my team's great, and they're, they're, my team is settling really well actually. And they've got a couple of new, so out of seven of us, including me, two of them are new, and yeah, they've just come in and settled, and, and it's great actually. It's nice to kind of start hitting a. We're sort of starting to hit our rhythm a bit, which is is really nice. Um, and yeah, so it's all good. And moving into the spring, I'm like, oh, there's sunshine. And like when because I went for a walk today, we're just like. It's just so nice to see the sun after ages of rain. And it's just rained and made rain. There's been some big floods around here as well. So Keensham was partly underwater recently. South, uh, North Somerset, it, it flooded, then it froze and double-decker bus fell over. So it's been, there's been some drama going on. Ooh. We were nowhere near it. Um, but yes, yeah, so there's been some kind of drama like that. Some meteorological mishaps. I'll try oh, to give another yeah. alliteration. Oh, and on a Monday, that's as best as I can do, to be honest. Um, I think it's impressive for Monday, actually. But there we go. So yeah, so it's all it's all good and Christmas and and that kind of period is just it's fairly chill, which is always nice. And speaking of fairly chill Christmases, mm. I know you said you 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 read a book. Well, I mean, I know you read books, obviously, mm. lots of books, but you read a particular <laughs> book. Yes, <laughs> digging so myself back out of that particular hole. It's fine. It actually Christmas was surprisingly busy and stressful. So the time I spent reading was really welcome. And I think I managed to sorry, Neil, um listeners, Neil recommended Ruth Ezeki to me. So I, I went to my library app and um there was there's two of her books. Um there was the book of emptiness and form, which was on loan uh, digitally, so I couldn't I couldn't have that. But there was a tale for the time being, I'm like, right, I'll have that. And I think I read it over the course of about three or four days. Wow. And and kind of needed something to escape into, I think. And I, yeah, and I, it took me a little while to kind of get into it. I was kind of probably a quarter of the way through before I kind of started to feel I was really getting into it. And once I'd got past that point, I was really into it. I think I dropped into it really quickly. Um somehow there's something about it that just it spoke to me and then once I kind of got into it I just kept on 
getting deeper and deeper into it. And actually, I'm, I'm reading, um, I read Tell for the Time, uh, obviously Tell for the Time Being is what we're talking about, uh, The Book of Form and Emptiness, which is just amazing. I'm now going back and reading her other novels as well, as so I sort of start at the beginning, working my way through. And there's not many of them. Um, so my Year of Meats is the one I'm reading at the moment, which is, again, fascinating. You can sort of see, again, as an author, you can kind of see where she's come from, her pattern, her style, her kind of storytelling mm-hmm. and stuff like that has stayed, which is is quite nice sort of through the novels. I mean, there's like eight years or something between the books that well and truly spread out. But yeah, Tell for the Time Being, I just, I fell in love with and it was, so it's that kind of, I'm trying to think what can say about it that won't give away too much. Um, but it's, it's a dual narrative. So there's, there's um, a person in Canada, there's a person then in Japan. We don't know what time is going on in between no, the, the narratives. I was orientating at first, but then actually once I just kind of settled into it, I realised that that was, that was kind of all part of it. So that, again, for me, kind of, I kind of got lost a little bit, nicely lost in that sort of well, what's happening now, where are we in time and really following the character arcs. I mean, it's not going to be a book, I would say, for for everyone. There is, uh, there is to be honest, suicidal ideation that runs throughout that's that's actually quite a big part of one character story um i mean to be fair uh, the book of form and emptiness starts with a a death like the first couple of pages as well so there's it's something that ruth as an author engages with and and speaks about and having watched a few interviews with her and so on there's a lot of interesting there's a lot of biographical autobiographical threads that she pulls on especially in a tale for the time being actually um so the character of oliver her, her real life husband is called oliver Mm. And so there's pieces of that, and again, sort of watching it and watching how the narrative kind of weaves around and dealing with um, dealing with having parents from kind of very different cultures and assimilating into one culture, like Canadian culture or American culture, or understanding back into an original culture. I mean, Wikipedia says um, I read it before we came on uh, came on to record talking about there's a lot of novels talking about a person moving from one culture into another and assimilating into that culture so let's say leaving japan and coming to america and canada in this case assimilating there but not many where there's then a back assimilation where they've got some of their culture from parents so the character of ruth in the in the novel um she has some of her culture has been handed down to her but she is very much kind of canadian but she learns and she has to go, she goes back into and learns more about her Japanese heritage and her culture through the novel. So it's got that sort of interesting back and forth. And yeah, a lot kind of Zen runs through. I mean, I said last time, I said last time, there's a, an ordained Zen priest, which I think gives, a, gives the novel just an interesting flavour anyway. Um, it is, it's so, quite an amazing thing to bring, isn't it, into, into the yeah. writing. And, 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 and it comes into the story in a very natural way it you know it just it just kind of flows in very organically which i think i think is quite impressive mm. yeah and it's it's i found there's just something really beautiful about it actually I was sort of just, i've been describing it to people and the persuaded everyone i speak to you to read it uh, and actually read her work and it's for me there's a beauty in a rhythm and a flow actually and that's yeah. feels very borne out in her her other works as well very human very i actually find them quite funny as well so there's a, a lot of humor quite dry humor a lot of, sort of situational humor um mm, but it feels a lot of humor isn't there yeah Maybe and it feels funny. almost like go on you go no, sorry, I, I was just one of us probably briefly technology. Um, I said it's almost some bits were almost 
poetic in terms of chapters so rather than kind of individual lines or stanzas actually sort of in chapters and I, I found how they sort of flowed in and, and looped back and then theme kind of thematic elements kept getting drawn in but yeah it was just there's something about it there's something about book of form and emptiness that it, it kind of they both got me on quite an emotional level mm. but not for reasons I would normally think and that was really, yeah it was just a they're very hard to describe <laughs> makes for great audio I'm sure um yeah actually I your point about the rhythm is really interesting though because I hadn't I hadn't clocked that consciously um but now you say it this because it's explicitly mentioned as well actually isn't it rhythm and cadence because something that um one of the characters says is about reading someone else's story and not racing through, not kind of barreling through that uh, that other person's story, but trying to read it in a way that kind of feels closer to how that other writer would have lived it, because because it you know happened to be like kind of journalistic, um, as in you know diary journal, um, so it was kind of like someone's diary, and and it so it's ex- I, what I think I quite like is that there's quite a lot of, there's kind of some gentle explicit references. To some of the themes and some of the concepts but not in a way that says important point here <laughs> the flashing lights but more it's kind of it's only when I'm thinking back and discussing it with you I'm like, oh yeah there was that and the play on the word now is mm. really so a tell I was thinking about this a tell for the time being the time being um sometimes means now doesn't it for the time being yes. for now um and then there's the idea of time beings is referenced in the book so one one of the one of the threads talks about what it is to be a time being to be a human being um a, a being that is bound up in time um and there's yeah there's a lot of play on the word now and I don't want to give anything away but that that basically runs throughout the whole book yeah absolutely and that like so the duality of the language and one thing I found really interesting was the structure as well so I kind of got really geeky. I don't often do this with books. And like I say, there's something there's something about Ruth and there's something about her writing. That, again, I'm not talking fatalism or fatalistic, but I often, I do believe actually that you often read things when you need to read them and you take things, you take what you need when you when you discover them. So for example, I was I was 18 when I first read Weedy the Pooh cover to cover and I was the right age and in the right mental place and the right, a lot of things had clicked around in life and I've read it cover to cover and I was like I really it, it made me weep I was inconsolable at like two in the morning when I finished it um but there was something and actually with Ruth's work I'm finding that as well just it's clicking with a lot of a lot of things but I really like the structure of the novel um and that metafiction so as you read it through there are those footnotes the Ruth the writer's making um and yeah they take you out of the reading into a slightly different version of the story which is something I've never encountered in another novel ever I don't think. How did you find reading those? I did notice it yes I'd forgotten about it because I think I kind of partitioned it partitioned it in my mind because I found it sometimes it was a distraction so I didn't look up all of the footnotes and I was reading it on um, on my tablet through my kind of local library 
app. And what I found was the interface wasn't great for that because what I couldn't do was click on a footnote and then just go back. I had to bookmark the page I was on, click on the footnote and then go back to my bookmark. How interesting. So I found it. Once I'd got my system, that system sorted out, that was fine. Um, it was it was just kind of like a little ripple. But until I got that sorted out, it was a really big interruption from the main story. So that discouraged me a bit. And what I found myself doing was I either looked up a few together. I would kind of go back to the last four or five footnotes. Or I would kind of just be a bit selective about some I kind of I just didn't worry too much about. And some of us like, oh, no, I really want to know what that means. Ah, okay, because I had a, a physical copy. I bought it in um, Books for Amnesty in Brighton. It was just, I, li- I liked the title. Mm. I liked the title, and then I liked the cover, and it was two quid. So, you know, win. Mm. Um, well, but actually, because yeah. the footnotes were literally at the foot of the page. So you and I will have had a really different experience of reading the same text. Because my footnotes are the bottom, of the, in this instance, my footnotes are the bottom of the page. I could just jump down to them really quickly or not. Whereas you actually had to intervene. Oh, you had to intervene in, te- mm. in, in a technological flu. There was a word that was coming. It just went. Um, but you actually had to intervene in the experience in a completely different way. Yes. Yes, I did. Because the case of Mr. Y by Scarlett Thomas... That has some quite voluminous footnotes, I think. I have a, I have a copy on the, on the bookshelf behind me, in fact. I could double check. But yes, I, I, I'm Ooh. assuming it's in the, the same metafiction. Yeah. Hang on, let me, let me pull it from the, the bookshelf in a moment of pure audio genius and flick through. Actually, this one... Oh. This you can one. hear the riffle. Listen to that. You don't get that to the electronic books. Oh. Um, this version doesn't but i know there is a scarlet thomas one that does you're right maybe it's not that scarlet thomas one then maybe there's another Mm, one yeah there's definitely one but yeah um um... or maybe i've got the wrong one completely but there was there was a book the end of mr y oh that's it yes um yeah Maybe it's something else. Fair enough. But yeah, it was just, in, I just found it really interesting. I found it really fascinating. I found there were little details. So there's a detail around, oh, I can say this doesn't tell you anything about anything, um, the empty box, if you recollect that, that someone's no, grandmother has. I won't say any more than that. But that reappears in, I think it's in my year of meets. And I'm pretty sure it may or may not. May appear in um, Book of Form and Emptiness as well. So there's little pieces that, again, as a reader, go, oh, and I know I'm, I'm binging them. I'm, I'm literally reading them back to back at the moment. Um, I'm like, there's little pieces of kind of intertextuality that just kind of come through and create this world that is actually really, it feels really unique, but it feels really mm. relatable and within touching distance as well, which is, it's just so nice. Such a lovely thing. And there's nature as well. Yeah. And nature. Especially in the tale for the time being, nature feels like such an integral part of it with Jungle Crow and various others, especially when the, the characters live. And again, I, I was kind of picturing part of it around where you live, Louise, actually. That was kind of my mental image of, of some of these places. That's interesting. Interesting observation. Um, I suppose actually, so I didn't make that connection myself, but the Ruth and Oliver's house is kind of in the middle of a clearing, isn't it? They're kind of... Almost, they're kind of surrounded by forest, aren't they? That's not 
where my house is but I am surrounded by quite a lot of this we look over the over a slope that goes down to the river valley the river ooze and there's lots of trees and lots of birds and and that yeah you say there are there are birds in the story aren't there and we do get we get quite a lot of crows and jackdaws here because um, there's a crow that features in the story um but it, the other th- nature isn't just kind of lovely and fluffy and benign in the book it has many characters um there's quite a lot of stuff that is i think a little bit spooky and a little bit yeah especially when they get cut off they kind of get cut off from the internet don't they yes absolutely and especially because they are quite remote there's a there's a real sense of isolation in there Mm. yes yeah there is isn't there and and that somehow seems to be related to the closeness of the proximity of of the nature yes and i think it's interesting as well thinking about the isolation the two strands of the narrative there's quite a lot of isolation in both one is urban isolation and one is literal isolation um, and out in essentially out in the middle of nowhere so again it felt like there was kind of real duality to it oh yeah interesting interesting yeah and there's also there's another thread of story that i just won't say anything about um but there's so to clue you in neil the the letters in the book that's written in a secret language. Yes, I know where you are. Is another narrative, and that's all about isolation as well. Yeah, it's fa- it's fascinating. It's, I'm, I'm so pleased you read it, and I'm so pleased, that, and I think you've enjoyed it. And yeah, it's it's just it's something else actually. It is. It's a work of art. It's unusual, and it's beautifully written. And it's, yeah, it's very, it's very thought provoking and very emotion provoking as well. There's a lot in there. Well, dear listeners, we have to say sadly that that is all the podcast we have for this episode. The great 404 in the sky sadly descended on Louise and myself during the recording and some of our chat is now lost to posterity and the vagaries, let's face it, of ones and zeros. So we hope you've enjoyed this somewhat shorter edition and very much booky edition of Hello You Podcast. We will hope to be back in a couple of weeks' time when the 404s have lifted and we are allowed into the world of recording again. So until then, look after yourselves. Keep in touch. Bye.